Hello, welcome back. It is week 129 on Out on That Line, and it is good to be back. I'm Jeff with my co-host Alex, as always. Alex, how are you doing this week? It is good to be back, Jeff. It is good to be back indeed. I'm feeling crazier than a rainbow trout in a car wash, and that's a good thing on this here show. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, so the folks that have missed us, uh, we just want to give a hearty congratulations to friend of the pods, friends of the pod, Ashley and Seth, on their nuptials. Um, and what a celebration it was. What a great, fantastic evening. The playlist, wonderful. Um, the food, fantastic. That pizza was spectacular. Um, just a, a great evening all around. And worth it missing a week or so of the pod. I think definitely worth it, especially for the cake alone. Ashley, for those of you who don't know, is an incredible baker. The olive oil lemon cake that had like no actual lemon in it or something. I don't know. She was explaining it to my girlfriend. Women start talking sometimes and I'm just like, man, women be shopping. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but no, she she made this incredible cake and we asked her how it was made and she was like, yeah, it's got olive oil in it. And I'm like, well, it doesn't taste like that. It was delightful. So yeah, great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for showing us your nuptials. And uh <laughs> It was fun. It was great. So many congratulations to uh, Seth and Ashley. Yeah, so they, uh, they've been given it a test run for a long time now, so I, I see a long and, and bright future ahead of them. Mazel. <laughs> Mazel tov. So we have recently been bestowed um, another fantastic Rolling Stone top whatever list of whatever certain instrument or, or vocal ability. Um, this time it's the top 250 guitar players of all time. And there are some uh, notable, I don't want to say notable omissions. I'd say what's more notable is where the people that are on the list are ranked on that list. Um, and you had a particular one that you wanted to to talk about. Um, and he's you know, ranked top 50, which is not too bad. But tell me a little bit about why you're mad. Well, I and actually, I'm not, I, I potentially misrepresented my position. I'm not as mad about where Zappa ranks. I would argue he's at 46. I would argue that you could go higher with him. Absolutely. Especially yes. on the strength of being self-taught. That's pretty, for him to be self-taught and to get as good as he was, that kind of merits a little more consideration than 46. But there again, it's the question we always ask, well, what's their criteria? What are they judging this on? The, the, prolificacy the group that you're involved in personality technical ability did you pioneer something did you carry the torch for something like what what is their criteria for like what makes an all-time guitarist so I, I have to debate you on zappa being 46 what i don't have to debate you on and bless her heart she's a friend of the show it doesn't make me feel good to say this, but why in the fuck is St. Vincent at number 26? So that's where your points about kind of what their criteria is um, really come into play. Um, so really what the, oh, there's uh here's, here's puppy of the pod willie um deciding to make a, a guest appearance willie. for the first time making his debut on the internet look at him go um, look at that little butthole <laughs> so with saint vincent i think what it is is 
kind of there's the cool factor um, because she she definitely is that. Um, she is a great guitar player. Like there's no I don't think there's any debating that all of the people on this list have it have an ability to play guitar like pretty well. You know, I think what really matters here at the end of the day, I think for where they get ranked is what their kind of impact is. So that cultural impact that you're talking about. Um, I think ranking still St. Vincent at 26, whatever criteria you're looking at compared to someone like Frank Zappa. Um, and, and I think also where Frank Zappa might be getting hurt is I think people are much more familiar with the personality and persona of Frank Zappa more than they are the music of Frank Zappa, at least in this at this point in time. You know, a lot of people look back on Frank Zappa and I feel like you're going to hear, oh, the guy that was at the PMRC hearings more than you're going to hear Joe's Garage. You know, and I think that's the that's the difference is you're going to start to see that more and more, I think, because I think his contributions were bigger than the music that he made as far as kind of his just absolute reluctance to adhere to any sort of like social structure or standard or construct or anything that would constrain him to being less than he wanted to be. Um, you know, I think that's him being ranked at 46 is criminal. You know, I think he easily, if you're going to use criteria of like cultural impact, like kind of what they did for the genre, you know, whether they really changed things. And he was like technically excellent at guitar and, and just arranging in general. And I think that also hurts him is because he was not only just a guitar player. He, he really just had his hands on everything. It might've been other people playing the instruments, but they were doing what Frank Zappa wanted. Um, it really is pretty remarkable. Like thinking about there's 45 other people that they think had more of an impact on guitar than he did. Um, but it's Rolling Stone. Um, and they ranked Joni Mitchell in the top 10. Yeah, she's list. she's number 10. And the thing is, I think... I get, no, I'm not a guitar player. I can't sit there and, and approach this from that vantage point. Mm-hmm. But what you know, you know. And so I think there's an argument to be made for Joni Mitchell being that high potentially what there is no argument for is you want to talk about another, if we're looking at all the criteria, Mm -hmm. social impact, starting a scene, self-taught where their technical proficiency came in, how popular they became the sheer output, love him or hate him. Jerry Garcia is ranked below St. Vincent. Yeah. That's a great point. That to me, nobody was bigger than the fucking dead when the dead were at their biggest. They continue everywhere I go. It drives girlfriend of the pod nuts. We'll be driving behind a car and you'll see the fucking lightning bolt skull logo. Mm -hmm. And she'll be like, Jesus, it's everywhere. Or the dancing gummy bears. Maine is big time. Dead country. Maine is dead country. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. So I look at that and I'm like, Again, I, I want to know. And so on this list, Jerry Garcia's 34. Uh, old slow hand himself, Eric Clapton, is 35. I I can't stand the fucking guy. So it's not like, you know, oh, my God, I, I, I on a moral level, I need him to be higher. But I think Eric Clapton might be a better guitar player than St. Vincent. But this should tell you everything you need to know. I'm looking at this entry for Clapton at 35. And... Let's get this out of the fact that or out of the way. Like if you go back in the show, you know that Jeff and I agree with what's being said in principle, 
but this gives too much of a window into the thought process for me to take the list seriously. So we'll read the Eric Clapton blurb. Since starting his career on the British blues rock scene during the 60s, Clapton had a unique gift for melody that made his solos just as catchy as the songs they adorned. He was always a diligent student of the blues, from Robert Johnson and Muddy Waters to Albert King and Otis Rush, and even cut an album of mostly pre-electric repertoire with Winston Marsalis. Winton Marsalis. But his most memorable recordings were born of real-life tragedy, from Layla, inspired by stealing the wife of his best friend, Patty Boyd George Harrison, to Tears in Heaven, a lament for the infant son who fell to his death from an apartment window. These days, nobody really considers Clapton God. His COVID comments clearly rule out any chance of being all-knowing. But that doesn't stop guitarists from worshipping his playing. Which makes me immediately wonder, did you ding him because he's a dingbat? Did you mm -hmm. knock him further down the list... Because he's anti-vax. Now, again, keep in mind, Jeff and I are not anti-vax. I mean, I don't want to speak for you. Maybe your position has changed since <laughs> we last talked about it, Jeff. But that, if we're going out on a limb and assuming that had something to do with the ranking process, it shouldn't. It should literally just be like, as simple as how good are you at guitar? That's the only mm -hmm. factor you should be listening to. And can you distinguish that enough to do 250 motherfuckers? I just, I, I, I look at the, Rolling Stone I think now knows that their bread and butter is in trolling you with these fucking things. Yes. And that's the only use that they have. Yeah. I mean, just like a couple more examples about like where people are ranked. So David Gilmore is, where is he? 28. Ranked at 25 is, at 26 is St. Vincent. And 25 <laughs> is John Frusciante. Um, from the fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yuck. Um, James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett are on the list together at number 23. Um, that I could see because that's, I mean, I love Metallica. Um, Albert King at 22. Okay, for folks that don't know who Albert King is, he's the one that kind of taught Stevie Ray Vaughan at number 20. Stevie Ray Vaughan at number 20. That's the one I want to talk about. How do you possibly have Stevie Ray Vaughan at number 20 you want to talk about somebody that just when you think of a guitar player he's like got to be one of the ones that comes top of the list i mean just known for the instrument there's a lot of these people that are known for being in a band you know they were a also a great guitar player but they're more known for their like the songwriting and the musical output stevie ray Vaughan is known strictly for how goddamn good he was at playing guitar the other one Prince coming in at 14, I think. Is that? Yeah. Prince at 14. The people that beat Prince, Tony Iommi. Okay. Jimmy Nolan. Probably just early on, like Pioneer. Carlos Santana. Okay. Dwayne Allman. Okay. Joni Mitchell at <clears throat> number nine. <clears throat> and she's not better than Prince. Sorry, dude. No. I mean, Jeff Beck at number five. Like, if you're going to bump clapton way down the list i feel like jeff beck is certainly better than him but is should he stay at number five if you're just kind of not giving any credence to that anymore like that style of music um eddie van halen number four that might be a little high um jimmy page number three definitely t a little too high chuck berry number two and jimmy hendrix number one so it's like there's like prince at 14 is good but i feel like what he did as a guitar player should get a lot more recognition than that. 
you know, I think like I love the Almond Brothers, but do I think Dwayne Almond is a better guitar player than Prince? Absolutely not. You know, I think Prince would play circles around him with whatever style of music they wanted to do. Um, but it's just that's where these lists like they're just meant to troll you. It's like some spots they're just like it's a tip of the hat that they're like, yeah, you deserve to be there because you're a pioneer. Maybe you're not like more technically skilled than other people. Uh, but there's a lot of these that, you know, they just put them in there because they're like, oh, we got to pick somebody cool. You know, we got to pick somebody that's going to be a little controversial in these spots. You know, and I, and I think it's just it's hard to take these seriously, but it's always like so easy to talk about them. So it's a double edged sword. Yeah, it's always easy to talk about other people's ignorance. It's one of the most fun things in the world to talk about. No, I I agree. It feels pretty arbitrary and it feels like the whole purpose of it is to just kind of engender discussions like this, which is good business for them, good business for us. Um, I think it's also very interesting to look at these things and with the through the lens of the demographic shift. Like St. Vincent might be one of the most contemporary, if not the most contemporary act on this thing, and she's older than me. Mm-hmm. So, like, it raises questions about Rolling Stone's readership, you know? Who's really their base now? Because I guarantee they haven't heard, like, you know, you give it to some Zoomer. Sorry yeah. to be that guy. I try not to sell them short, but fa- the rules are the rules, the facts are the facts. If you hand it this magazine to one off the street, if I take one to work where I work with young artists, mm-hmm. are they going to thumb through that and go, yeah, I recognized more than half of these. Now they're going to say, no. he never did the soundtrack for an anime. Mm-hmm. I've never heard his work on. <laughs> I don't know who Jeff Beck is. Which show on Crunchyroll did he come up with? <laughs> they love it. He's be a lot of anime at school, but I digress. Um, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting struggle between who's clearly reading this magazine and what they want to read and how they're being trolled by the staff at Rolling mm-hmm. Stone. Yeah. And it's, and they do, uh, they just do such a good job at putting some head scratchers in there to, that makes you, there's enough in there that you can take seriously. You know, there's enough spots that make sense that you take it seriously. And then you get those, those one or two in the top 50 that you're just like, how is this one here? And these other people are, way behind it just doesn't make any sense and it's not supposed to other than to make us have conversations exactly like this bless their hearts because conversations like this are the lifeblood of the out on that line music podcast which lives in a very special little pocket of the internet you can you can tiptoe through an enchanted forest of bullshit mr beast jeffrey star i don't know if any of these people are still alive these are three-year-old references, potentially. I don't know. Is Meat Canyon still making cartoons? You tell me. But I'll tell you who's still working. I tell you who the two hardest-working men in the music criticism industry are. You're looking at them. They're talking to you right now. They're doing the thing. We did a thing, as people like to say. Uh-oh. We sat in gum, and you can learn all about it. At YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash out on that line. That's right, folks. We're never going to stop. We're never going to stop doing the show. We're never going to stop pitching the show. We're never going to stop losing our minds in real time because it's your greatest entertainment value. And there's precious little else to li- look. Donald Trump is going to be the president again. Let's just get that out of the way. It's going to happen. I don't want it to happen. 
I know Jeff does it unless something's changed since the last time we spoke, Jeff. <laughs> I know most of you don't want it to happen, but it's probably going to. It's best we brace ourselves. We find activities and hobbies and, and love and fulfillment where we can. And I think for you, what that is, is subscribing to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash out on that line and leaving us love in the comments, turning your notifications on so you never miss a video, and uh, throw it a likey-loo while you're there. Why not? We're just having fun here at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash out on that line. That was that that was a really good segue. Thank you. The way you, you slid into that one, it was you were into it before I even knew what was going on. That's how you know they're good. That's when you know I'm <laughs> now now I'm working. <laughs> well, what do you say we get to this Turnpike Troubadours album? named a cat in the rain so turnpike troubadours um i don't we've never done a full album by them pretty confident nope. saying that um have talked about them you know pretty often um when we talk about our country albums and this album is a country album like if you are looking for a a modern day version of that kind of like out like 90s kind of outlaw country this is the stuff that you're looking for. So that's kind of what the Turnpike Troubadours are known for. They are a country band, um, not just a country singer. And when they get to cooking, unless you're you're ready for the heat, you better get out of the kitchen because these guys can cook. Um, how much familiarity did you have with Turnpike Troubadours? I think it begins and ends with the Bird Hunters. You played that for us um, many, many moons ago when I had moved back from Texas you were visiting from Texas over a holiday, and I remember Reno was there. All, all the stars were there. Reno and Tanner <laughs> and me and Sweet Mitch. Um, and we were going back and forth. And to time capsule this for you, one of us said, "Hey, have you heard that new song from Casey Musgraves, High Horse?" So that's to backdate it a little bit for you. Yeah. Um, and I remember when it was your turn, your pick was um, Turnpike Troubadours. And that was pretty much, Bird Hunters was pretty much where it started and ends with mm -hmm. me. For no other reason than there's just so much that comes before something like that. I'm constantly being inundated with new music, particularly mm -hmm. in country and Americana. And I, I <laughs> this is not a dig, but Tanner and Brandon, friends of the show, we have a little group chat called the Modern Americana Appreciation Society. <laughs> of course. A lot of bits flying around in that, a lot of music. Um, so I think it's just Turnpike Troubadours were just a victim of so much other stuff going on. So I was very excited to do this when you brought it up because I'm like, this will really kind of make or break. And it was a make for me. I think mm -hmm. this is really good. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't have necessarily like over the top effusive praise for it for no other reason than it's just bread and butter right down the middle country music straight out of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so that's to me, um, if the only song that you're going to know by the turnpike troubadours is the bird hunters, I'm, I'm sure many, many diehard turnpike fans will tell you that's that one's one of the ones that's okay to know. Um, that's still one of my favorite country songs of all time. It's just fantastic. It the way that that like beat drops in and it's just literally on a fiddle 
is one of the coolest moments in music for me is just like kind of how hard that hits when they're not even using it. There's no distortion. There's no, you know, it's just a regular old country band. Um, just, just really, really good stuff. That whole turn, their whole self self-titled album that that song is from, um, is really, really, really good. There's a song called the Mercury. That's one of the most like country rockinest songs you ever heard in your life. Like think like Blackberry smoke, like shaking hands with the Holy ghost kind of thing. Um, just fantastic. Um, this album, there was not a whole lot of, it was like kind of raving like country bar party songs. This was dimly lit backwoods kind of dive bar sort of songs. And I really, really enjoyed that from them. There were, I think just like you said, this is not going to be, I think ranking on, you know, the top of the line country album lists of all time or, or of this kind of generation. Um, but this is a solid, solid entry in their catalog because this album has enough, a few standout songs. Um, the rut for me is one of them that there's a, there's a few songs that are great enough that it elevates it above something that you'd just like not really care to listen to again. Everything else is good enough to act as a filler between those like kind of three, maybe four, like really, really bright spots on this album song wise. Um, you know, it just was, it was not a slog, you know, even for it being a lot of slower songs and a lot of more kind of heartfelt, you know, some love songs in there. It didn't feel long. So it was only 40 minutes. So it was a nice compact album too. And that always helps. So you don't have to have the strongest. Every single song is great. If the album is not a slog, you know, you don't have to have like, think of the ballad of dude and Juanita. Like it's tough to find any one of those songs to pick out like pick out and listen to. And it's clearly not the type or genre of music that I'm ever going to like really go and seek out listening to. But you put that in a nice, like compact little package like they did. And it makes it so easy to digest that it doesn't matter if there's slower songs. Like it's not lasting long enough that you're getting antsy, you know? And I think they, they really time it perfectly with kind of where they pick it up a bit. Um, especially with the, the lyrics on this are, very straightforward you know i don't think there's anything um you know it's not like you're uh looking at an escher painting when it comes to unpacking like what's going on with the lyrics here uh, but there are some really really good ones because they're so just earnest you know it's that authenticity that we always talk about um they clearly have it in spades they always have um and they don't write about things that they don't relate to you know so it's as they've gotten more and more famous and for an example like try to get a ticket to one of their shows here in Texas, like <laughs> good, good luck. Um, it's nearly impossible to see them live here because they hardly ever tour. And when they do, it is a packed house to the rafters, basically, um, because they keep putting out music. That's this good. Like imagine being in a bar and the bar band is playing songs like this. Mm. I mean, that is, that to me is where this music is best. And I feel like that's where Turnpike Troubadours are best as well as their live shows. Look them up on YouTube. You'll find them on the same places out on that line. Um, so it, yeah, you like that? (laughs) So like, just check out their live shows because you're going to find that as good as these songs are on the album and like they're well mixed and they have just enough of that kind of rough edge. Like, like deer tick tends to do, where it just keeps it interesting because you know, these guys are just having a good time. They're good songwriters. They know they're talented and they're just going to kind of feed you some good classic down home, Oklahoma country rock. 
I love it. I want to swallow it down with some peach moonshine mm-hmm. and a side of cheesy grits, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and it's interesting, too. The thing that I particularly zeroed in on when you were talking is the idea of these songs. It's not like, look, it, they're not complicated to unpack. And I love that because you can tell when a group goes in with an onus to, like, be, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to be double great for both of us, Dewey. Like, you can tell when someone goes in with that mentality versus someone that's just happy to be there and grateful to ply their trade. And from the little bit of research I was able to do, I can't even call it research necessarily, but I guess their lead singer had some troubles with uh, the old grandpa's cough medicine for a while, got himself clean. And this album is kind of a redemptive product of that. And it reads like someone who's just happy to be there doing the thing. It comes through in the instrumentation. It's clean as all fuck. The -hmm. guitar work on this is super clean. The vocals are super clean. I think it's like mixed perfectly. It's really, really tightly produced. Nothing is out of whack. I've become like keenly aware when I'm like, ooh, the vocals are too forward in the mix. It sounds like they were in completely different continents when they recorded this you get a real sense of the craftsmanship of taking their time of making songs that are joyful and revelatory and grateful for the fact that they still get to do this because it looked uncertain in 2019 again from the reading i did where they took an indefinite hiatus and then come back with this This is a great way to reintroduce yourself to an audience you didn't have before. So for me, Mm -hmm. kind of treating it like the first Turnpike Troubadours album, truthfully, it was for me, and it was a hell of a bang. It makes me want to go back and Mm -hmm. check out the rest of the catalog because this was clearly born out of passion and a a need to create, not a need to be relevant. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, and this, and I would just highly recommend their self-titled album. Okay. The one with the cool, like, green and kind of silver design on it. It kicks off with the Bird Hunters. It's, like, number one song on it, and it and it goes from there. And it's got so, so many good songs. Um, you know, I think overall that one's a little bit better of an album than this is, but this was for, like, if you just want something that's a just a solid, good country album just straight ahead this is fantastic and i think um what gets lost here is i'm glad you brought up that they went on hiatus in 2019 because at that point they'd already had a pretty lengthy career um they'd been making albums i think they had come out with three or four albums um at that point so where we have our sturgill simpson and our tyler childers and casey musgraves and all these artists that we love these days turnpike troubadours drive-by truckers the steel drivers, you know, bands like that were doing it beforehand and, and really carrying the torch for that. You know, you can call them outlaw country, I guess, but really carrying the torch for like, like the real country sort of bands, you know, because through all that time you had your Tim McGraw's, you had your Luke Bryan's at that point, you know, you had all these people that are selling out these big stadiums doing that, you know, their version of bro country basically. Um, and then you always had these bands like like the Turnpike Troubadours, like the Drive-By Truckers, these bands that really were just trying to be like really good bar bands, you know, like just a really, a band you'd want to go and see on a Friday night, you know, after you spent a week at work 
and just having a good time. And that's and that's exactly what they've always been. I'm so glad to see that they got back to that with this album um, after all that time. Um, and I think there's a lot of country music today owes a debt to, you know, not just specifically the Turnpike Troubadours, but all of those groups that really did that from the mid 2000s through like the 20 teens until we had the pleasure of getting Coulter Wall and Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers and Margot Price and Casey Musgraves and all these people that, you know, have really, really picked up the torch and ran with it and gone places with country that who knew that they could do that? Like, can I take my hounds to heaven by Tyler Childers is one of the more like innovative kind of country albums that you're going to hear. And let alone what Sturgill Simpson has been doing for years now, you know, it's just, you know, we're at a great point because bands like Turnpike kind of carried that torch and like kept those embers going for all those years. So um, to still make an album of this quality at this point in their careers um, here we're sitting them calling them old, like they're the Rolling Stones or something like that. But, you know, it's just like it's it's really, really good to see. Um, this one's absolutely a buy it for me. Yeah. And I, I really, again, keyed in on when you're talking about like a bar band, I will say, and it's easy for me to say because I never even sniffed a level of success with it. But having been in a 90s cover band, I can tell you in a lifetime where I've done opera, where I've done musical theater, where I've been in a band or two, playing in Laser Dad, the 90s cover band in central Vermont at Gusto's, middle of nowhere, nothing, shit heap, gin mill. No disrespect. We had some of the time of our lives there. <laughs> yes. um, but what the hell is Gusto's compared to TD Garden or mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yet, that sweaty summer night and you were there it was homecoming days you were there you and Mm -hmm. and wife of the pod were there and i just remember it was just this packed shitty little dive bar and we had him eating out of the palm of our hand and that was what it was all about go and cry to change shirts at the middle of set break because (laughs) i was soaked i soaked myself down to my socks and that's what it's about. It's because you love it and it's fun and you want to share it with people. So this like, I don't want to accuse Zach Bryan of this because I have no evidence to suggest that this is who he is, but it would be easy for him at the level to which he's been elevated and the level at which people hold him for him to start drinking that juice and being like, mm-hmm. yeah, being a mega star is appealing. I think there's, as much as we hate to say, like, authenticity and purity, there really is a real love of the game that comes through with people like Turnpike Troubadours. Again, Mm -hmm. in my incredibly limited experience with them, just off of this album, I got that sense of we are proud, we would be proud to play at the Roadhouse in the middle of nowhere and just give these ham and eggers who got off their, you know... 40 hour a week mm-hmm. shift at the fucking sawmill to have fun, to dance with their sweetie and drink a couple beers and listen to mm-hmm. us and have fun and wake up the next morning and talk about how good we were. Um, to me, that's still kind of a, a, a lost art is getting away from the celebrity. Cause the industry is going to do everything it can to package you and categorize mm-hmm. you and market you. And I think something like this speaks for itself because it speaks from the heart. So for me, this is also a buy it. Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. That's it's always nice to come back after a little break with something that we can get excited about. Yeah. I've been ripping this album like a lot because we, we were supposed to do this one like two weeks ago. So yeah. I, I was really I was getting pretty excited to talk about it. Um, I'm going to keep listening to it. Like I've, I've always really liked the Turnpike Troubadours. They are really, really fantastic. I think as you get into them more, I think you're going to you're going to find out why they're such a I don't want to say cult band because they are like when they play shows like they sell them out and they they might not do like td garden or that size but i'll bet you if they like if they wanted to they probably could sell like one time they could probably sell something like that out um they've got enough fans they've they've got enough music at this point that and they just rock i mean they can play the slow heartfelt songs they're very 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 good at writing those songs um but they're just when they get to cooking they are truly, truly special. Love it. I can't wait to uh, discover some more. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else this week that you wanted to get in before we get on out? But Jeff, I've, to quote Costanza, that's it for me. <laughs> All right, then. Well, until next time.